Hey everybody, it's the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast. My name's Todd Mitchell, and uh, we are joined again this time by my friend John Scheiber. We are driving trucks this week, so uh, that's that's fun. Check out the videos on our uh, social media accounts. You'll see what we're up to while we play and while we talk. Uh, we are talking uh, a little bit more of the same just because of the nature of the news this week. I won't ruin any surprises, but we're also going to talk a lot about getting into indie development if you are not already and you would like to. So uh, hopefully a lot of good tips, helpful things, um, answers to questions you may have. I won't uh, spend any more time teasing it. Here is my uh, weekly play and chat with John. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I had caught that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh man, I got caught by a red light while we were screwing around. Man, oh man. So you're, you're reloading the game. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and I am recording. Me too. So, what what we have here is American Truck Simulator, follow up to uh, Euro Truck Simulator Two, I believe. That's how far is they that made it. Is? Yeah, um, I've I've played this game uh, more than I realized. We were talking about this the other day. I opened up Steam to check it out, and it was like eh, like eleven hours. So. More than I've played Call of Duty, but uh, you, how much time have you spent with this, if any, so far? This is it. This is it. This, this is live. We are live, and I am failing. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. So far, you opened it up, started the tutorial, and shut the application down. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what happened. Where am I, and what am I supposed to be doing? Did it just dump you into the world? Yeah. I guess okay. I got to get this trailer out of this tiny parking lot. Yeah, if you got something hooked up, that means you've got a job to do, so you can uh, work your way out and hit the open road, and the GPS should show you the way. Okay. I'm terrible at this. It's You just have to take it slow when you start. It's uh, it, it's challenging. Like well, I, I'm just pulling up on a uh, destination, so I'm going to hit A, start a delivery. <laughs> Try a... You'll, you'll see when you get to the first delivery, it's got a few options for, like, I suck at this, just take this and let me leave, or uh, let me try and park it backwards, stuff like that. That's hilarious. Yeah. I, I just, I wish this was multiplayer. That is something no one will see here tonight. We will not see each other. We're just in our own open worlds. Uh-oh. I just about mashed the living crud out of myself. <laughs> okay, well, let's let's start to talk in here. Oh, I'm gonna break my mirror. <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny. We've spent what two weeks talking about uh, financial stuff in games, and as soon as we sort of made it up that we weren't gonna do that anymore, all this EA stuff sort of broke out. So, uh, tell me, tell me where we're at with that right now with EA. So what has happened is. Um... Through a series of events, I can't really pinpoint it. Some of the YouTubers I follow have been harping on them, and one of them actually got an interview with the guy from Dice. I don't know if that kind of spurred all of this on. Uh -huh. Multiple, oh my gosh, I just hit somebody. Multiple, <laughs> multiple instances of this occurring in the media, Twitter actions, just all of the above. Probably, I think Disney's um, upcoming release. Of you know a new Star Wars movie influenced this slightly, 
but the developers said we're going to completely remove paid content from the game prior to its launch. It's out. It's gone. As of right now. I did not realize it had gone that far. Um, yes. To sort of set the table for anybody who doesn't know about this, let's go all the way back to the uh, Reddit fiasco with um, the guy the guy from, what, Dice? Yes. Wait a minute. No. He was the EA community manager. Oh, on the EA Maybe? side, yes. Yes, yes he yes. was on the EA side, yep. And so, was he doing an AMA? I didn't actually find that part out. Nope. He just randomly tweeted. Oh, my goodness. And then it started a Reddit fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he, so he gets fed up with commentary from people about you know they they i guess they did the open beta or closed beta whatever was going on and they both okay so so they've they discovered that to play noteworthy characters from the star wars movies uh, there's there's this sort of paywall where you have to have so many tokens worth of whatever to unlock darth vader or you know whoever you like and want to play with and to do that free, like, it's possible to do it without paying, but they were estimating, like, this is going to take, like, 80 hours or 120 hours, and I can't play anybody I know for that long. If, yeah. you, know, if you know the way Battlefront 1 worked, that's that doesn't seem like such a departure, but I think it's just the extent to which EA has sort of dug all of the microtransactions and craziness um, in this thing. They're starting, to, they're starting to run every one of their games the exact same way and everything is like pay for this pay for that you need credit you've got loot boxes you want a key you can buy a key that's the only way you can get it and otherwise you're gonna <laughs> there's some stuff you'll never see and there's some stuff that's gonna take many 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 hours so this community manager hears all this feedback like this is ridiculous we hate this and he takes to twitter and goes boy there's a whole lot of armchair developers on this here internet <laughs> <laughs> and to add to this real quick before we uh, go too much further about the harping sure some of the main voices came out and said it's not so so much as the characters as well as it was the progression for your chosen class that you would desire to play so in order for you to get the weapons for you to uh, the way i understood it is to develop your class like if you wanted the uh what is it the assault class or whatever you could essentially just go into the store and buy a hundred dollars worth of crates and just go unlock all the epic stuff for the guns day one yeah that's so a combination of 80 hours to get one epic hero and frankly what is essentially pay to win reddit went nah and then <laughs> then he dropped the armchair developer comment and it was hilarious yeah it's <laughs> And they, they said that's the most unpopular Reddit comment of all time now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's what got their attention then. Yeah, that that's what got attention. He, um, I guess the next day or so, he sort of took to Twitter and tried to do some damage control, and it was basically much too late. Uh, yeah. he, he deleted the tweets long after everyone saw them. Uh, tried to backpedal a little bit, but... He sort of fell back on a lot of official company wording about, you know, we're taking this seriously and we're considering everyone's feedback. We we appreciate yeah. this. All this stuff that means nothing. Yeah, he went into the can old corporate phrases. Yeah, exactly. So, however, now that they've got 
Supreme Overlord Disney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a couple days later, they said, "What we're we're taking out all <laughs> paid content out of this game." Yes. That's dice. Un- that is unbelievable. Yep. Dice released a statement and said, "You know, after further review of the situation, I'm grossly paraphrasing it. Please go read it in their own words. Sure. Yada yada yada. We are removing all paid content from the game." But we will restructure it later and reintroduce it. Now, it's like kind of a win, is what the community feels, you know? Yeah. It, but, you know, it says it's going to come back. So what's that going to look like? Is this going to be pay to win conveniently after the Star Wars movie's out? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I guess I kind of wonder if they're going to try something like wait for the movies to come out, wait for different characters to become popular, and, like, maybe they'll bundle things a little differently and put things out as like content packages or something like I think people would appreciate that more um, we we talked about Call of Duty doing a little better than most people last time uh, they would put out just content packs like hey here's a bunch of different uh, designs for your guns and the game doesn't work any differently without them but if they were to release character packs I think people would buy that and I don't think they would... Yeah. I mean, they, they might not necessarily like it, but I don't think we'd have this uh, dumpster fire on the internet, you know? No. And, like, some of the cards, to give you an idea of what the cards that you could get from loot boxes... Essentially, you have to get loot boxes either through playing the game and normal progression or buying them. Um, to give you an idea of what some of those were, it was things like 40% damage modifiers on weapons. Oh. To give you an idea of the degree of the pay-to-win factor. Yeah, that's oh. that's a whole new level. That's insane. Yeah, exactly. And that's why the community got really, really pissed. Okay. Uh, yeah. Now I understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and you showed me a guy... I, I don't know if you showed me the guy or if I found this myself, who uh, <laughs> said... I'll show you armchair developer, and he wrote a script that would basically move your mouse for you while you were in game, and you wouldn't have to be there, and it would just farm uh, credits. That was actually just the top Twitter or uh, Reddit comment. Yeah. So you probably found that organically because it was just it's yeah it's and it's like oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> we had a, a fun idea about this ourselves, which I won't ruin just in case we no. get to go through with it. No. <laughs> but, uh, now, you, you brought up something interesting earlier today. Actually, it wasn't that long ago. You said um, you you felt like the, the only real difference between this and previous sort of backlash and back and forth was Disney saying, you guys are not going to mess up Disney for us. You're going to mess up Star Wars. That's uh, a comment or something I, I uh, saw in a YouTube video. I, I apologize right now. I don't remember the source because I've, I've absorbed multiple things on this recently. Yeah. And um, it was that was mentioned by somebody. And then my my mind was like, you know, oh, man, when when you're dealing with corporate situations, it just it, it wouldn't surprise me, to say the least. Um, I, I will say it, it sounds like you were pretty pretty spot on. Uh, Polygon rushed together a, a feature about this by um, Allegra Frank, who I, I always remember her name because she was really nice when I wrote that article about Clarissa Explains It All. Like, she was one of the people who was, oh my god, this is so great. Um, cool. But, yeah, I know. She uh, put together a feature about 
um, times that Disney has stepped in on stuff like this in the past. And a lot of it's been stuff about movies and directors going in and out and stuff like this. But it, it looks like Disney actually does have a um, sort of history of jumping in and going, Hey, let's do the damage control this way. Let's go overboard and impress people. And uh, basically, stop fucking up, please. You know? Yeah, they, they've got... It's, it's, they get it. Disney understands marketing, clearly. I don't need to say that. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so I, I think you're spot on there. I'm interested to see what the future iterations of like paid DLC look like because I, I think we all know that EA will dry up and vanish without it. Yes. Um, <laughs> we we keep talking about them, and I, I keep wanting to go back and find that um, sort of scholarly article that the guy put together about his year and a half or something with EA. Uh, sitting in their corporate offices and trying to learn all he could about the the business plan and how to train the future graduates who are going to graduate and go there from like you know Southern California schools and, and stuff like that. Um, I I feel like there was a lot of stuff about how they turned the traditional like chaotic publisher um, developer relations into like the only um, steady revenue uh, video game company. And, and they're huge. Like, they're, they're a... I, I forget the rankings, but, like, in any company ranking, they're always, like, very, very high. Well, I mean, the new Call of Duty, did you hear the sales on it? No, I haven't heard. It outsold Thor and what's the other movie that came out? Uh... Um, wait a minute. No, they're, they're talking about an, an older superhero movie because I'm remembering the quote now better. So they were just pulling a, a, another fairly recent superhero movie into it and that was Wonder Woman so it outsold those two opening weekends combined yeah and and I've, I've said this a few times recently video games is bigger than the uh, film industry and the uh, music industry combined now so wow. and, and people sort of balk when I say that but like here's here's a fine example like when when the video game industry does something big it, it pretty much tops everything and I mean, it, it makes sense when you think about what kind of media we're absorbing here when we absorb a video game. It is the thing that you've seen idolized on the Hollywood big picture screen and the comic book and on, and on the, the Internet and the Netflix videos, um, you know, the anime that might accompany it or something like that. You get the picture. Mm -hmm. But this is the interactive, immersive, you're driven into that world. So, yeah, man, the 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 connection to it from the audience perspective it's just like it makes so much sense mm -hmm. but anyways that's a whole nother rabbit hole <laughs> yeah. so um oh i went ahead and picked up rocket rocket league on the uh, nintendo switch despite the graphical downgrade i've played it on the pc i've played it on the xbox but the appeal of having rocket league on the go i couldn't help myself i dropped the 20 bucks picked it up and i i played it uh, probably two or three hours now, and I'm happy to report it plays extremely well, and I'm having nice. a ton of fun with it. Nice. It is, uh, I, I will tell people, if you want to grab it, go ahead. Be prepared, if you don't have that fancy Pro Controller, which I do not, the Joy-Cons, it is a chore to pick, pick up those controls and to get good with it, but uh, once you do, I mean, you're in the zone, you got this version of Rocket League, you can just grab and go. Um... And the, the cool That's... thing is, you can you can take each each of those Joy Cons, and they don't have to be attached to the handle thing. So you can just have your your two independent hands. You can just kind of spread out on the couch or 
let your kid crawl all over you and do whatever you want, and you can be playing Rocket League. That's great. Oh, that's awesome. And and, and uh, what else did I hear great things about the Switch? Um, uh, the, I heard the Skyrim is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Skyrim... Um, I've I've been kind of a, a critic of this whole thing that they were talking about originally maybe as a launch title. They certainly used it to promote the uh, system itself. And I was like, you know, great, we're we're up to uh, like 2009. <laughs> you know, yeah. That game came out a long time ago. And it, yeah. it oh, was eight. I don't think it's the official remastered version either. I think it's just basically like Skyrim Portable Edition, you know. Yeah. So but it sounds like it's going well, and I saw on Polygon there's something you can do to get Link's armor, so that was a yes. easy easy score for them. Oh yeah, I mean it's just like it's low hanging fruit in the best variety. Yeah, that's an easy win. Rocket League did a little bit of the same thing. Uh, there are Mario and Luigi cars you can use, as Has well as a uh, Metroid car. Ooh, yeah. wow, I need to see that Metroid car. That's pretty cool. Yeah, the playability made me think I made a good purchase, but like that just sort of uh, cemented that in my mind. Like, yes, I did well here. That sounds incredible. Now, yeah. I, I got to I gotta interrupt you and ask, I've gotten to the first stop. What do I do? Okay, so, and I'm, I'm coming up on a stop too here, so you'll see on, you won't see on my screen, but the listener will. Um You'll see an icon green rotating around. Do you see that? Yes, I passed it up. Yeah, you, well, okay, so you have to stop on that? Oh, okay. The the truck cab or the trailer? Uh, the cab. Okay. And then when you do that, um, you'll a lot of stuff happens through your GPS screen in the bottom right. So when you stop there, it'll show you a button to hit if you want to start the delivery sequence. And then uh, it basically tells you what to do from there. Okay, so it says follow, press the job delivery, and then it shows like F5 does navigation, is it? Yeah, that'll pull your map back up. That's oh, all that is. Uh, okay, I see here. Um, a skilled can maneuver delivery. Let's play it safe. Skip now, hurry up. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I was going to say, I would, I would try either the skip for now or the let's play it safe. When you're just starting. Okay. Back to regularly scheduled programming. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm still approaching my uh, my uh, delivery. The funny thing about this is you're playing this game in Southern California is basically the setting. And you can go as far as, like, Las Vegas, I think. Um, and the traffic is just a nightmare throughout the whole uh, world map. And it's like, what? why did they choose this? <laughs> like, they're trying to simulate <laughs> real L.A. traffic. That's not good. So I'm going to try... <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try one of these hard deliveries here. Um, I The first one of these games I tried was Euro Truck Simulator 2, which was neat because I I, I don't see a ton of technology advancements in this, this version. Um, but it's got, like, streaming internet radio you can pull up if you want to, and I... I pulled up, like, like, German internet radio or something and uh, tried to get the full experience, and it was it was crazy. That's cool, man. And then, of course, I uh, got, like, a German copyright checkmark on my YouTube. So, good time. <laughs> Nine! <laughs> yeah, that's what they said. 
<laughs> so now I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you again because I I stupidly skipped a tutorial no <laughs> by problem. closing my game. Okay, so I hit job market, then I do quick job, and then what do you just pick like the first one on the list or something? So you you can filter by uh, different attributes, and if you want to do the shortest route possible, you can do that, or you can go for the most money. It's just whatever you want to try. If you if you get a really long route. You'll have to deal with stuff like uh, rest and uh, refilling gas and stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah, it, and it's no big deal. It's just something you have to watch. I am not doing well on this delivery. Where is it? Okay, so I see expected delivery. Da, 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 da. Can you do them by day? I want to do it by distance. That's that's how I tend to track that also. <laughs> I'm having a hard time telling exactly how far away. And when you're... Day. When you're using other people's equipment, you don't have to worry about driving to the start point, so you don't have to factor that in. I see. Okay, so it looks like pretty much all these jobs expect me to arrive the same night. That's what I'm looking at. I wouldn't worry too much about that. Like, you'll you'll have ample time to get wherever you end up needing to go. Okay. I think. That's not something I've ever had trouble with. I'm going to take this one. I got that pro drop-off just now. It wasn't pretty. I did it. I'm going to find a job. See if I can find something hazardous. Yeah, here's one. After you level up once, you can you can uh, decide to take on hazardous jobs or longer haul stuff. It's nice. Cool. When you work your way far enough uh, through the game, you, you can hire more drivers and get your own company going. You can start your own company? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, there. It's it's a well thought out game, and it's one of these sim games that lets you just do pretty much whatever you want to do. Obviously, the driving's pretty fun though. Oh, it's going great. I like the way it feels a lot. Yeah, controls feel. You right, the controller feels heavenly. Yeah, they really did well. And I mean, it feels. It's crazy how it's tricking your brain into thinking you are actually driving this big heavy piece of equipment. Yeah, it, it feels substantial. Yes. Oop, it feels substantial when I wipe out the fence, too. Almost. <laughs> Looking forward to your video, sir. <laughs> I'm going to let these uh, mighty nice people go. You go on, y'all. I'm going to be a minute. <laughs> That's the other thing. You're, you're playing completely alone, but this game does manage to make you feel like you are messing up the entire world. Yes, it does. <laughs> like, Man, you are not kidding about this traffic. Oh, yeah, I'm, I've hit this fence. <laughs> so, something else we, uh, we we sort of planned the show to recap what's going on in the uh, microtransaction world, but also to sort of get into, um, I'm going to go maybe like back to basics for indies and talk a little bit about getting into game development uh, if, in fact, you've never done it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say whether you have a development background or not. So, yeah, I, I think that's maybe something fun we can do. Um, I've, I've been developing games for a while now. I'm starting to make money at it. And you are just starting to crack the books open. So, yes, it's, it seems like this could be a very, very interesting convo. I, I would say we're not on opposite ends of the uh, spectrum, but we're just at two very different points. Yes. So uh, tell me how it's going with you. Like you, you're at a point where, I mean, you've got you work full-time you do the whole thing um but as a hobby you're you're trying to get into some coding and we're gonna probably get you started on unity here soon so where are you at and what you doing 
Oh, I just got pulled over. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. Yep. I just got 280 bucks. So I fines are terrible. Yeah. So I've, so far, I've only had time to absorb the basics on this. But I mean, the my mind is already spinning with the possibilities of. Like now, since I've been looking at the way, you know, just basic codes have gone, I can already, I it's it's crazy. It's like, even though I'm looking at the first few words of a language, it is the best way to say it. I understand why they, they chose to describe it like that. But I see the world that it's unleashing. And it's incredible to be able to to feel like I'm a step closer at being able to take this fantastic machine that I've been using my whole life and like make it do something that's unique to me, something that I can dream up and say, Hey, Mr. Computer, do this. <laughs> right. And it kind of demystifies it. And, um, in some ways have, has started to make it less glamorous. Like anything is when you start to look into it. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, glory, the definition of glory is changing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris Hardwick calls it seeing through the matrix code. (laughs) (laughs) It's perfect. He referred to, uh, actually, I think he referred to going to Vegas that way. Like you, you get through the casinos, you spend enough time there and it's like, now everything's kind of gross and (laughs) kind of messy thing, you know? Um, yeah. So, and that's an interesting point already because if you're just looking to start getting into this stuff and you're looking at things like game maker, and Unity. I don't want to knock either of those things because I I started. I did have a little bit of programming behind under my belt when I started, but I started with Game Maker and it was fine. But I feel like there's a little bit of a a misleading idea out there that you can start game development long before you can program at all or script at all. And I'm here to tell you it it doesn't really end up working that way. And that that's okay. a big. It's a big departure from a lot of the advice you're going to hear. Like a lot of people go like, just get started. You can do it. And it's, it's mostly drag and drop and everything's going to be fine. And, um, you you get into game maker and I don't think you would finish your first game tutorial without writing some script. So I see. And that script I think looks a lot like JavaScript in game maker and in unity it's uh, C sharp or like a JavaScript knockoff that everyone hates. So I, I would say to people who um, think they're just going to like, you know, just feed first and run run through Unity stuff and like, oh, it's drag and drop and I made this awesome Halo game. It's, it's never going to happen that way. So <laughs> think about languages you want to start with. And you're starting sort of with Python. Is that right? Yes. No, I am. Yep. I think that's a great idea. Like, and, and not necessarily just because Python is really pretty... Um, pretty clear syntax like you usually know what you're looking at Um, it's so far very very easy to to read this it was i was amazed at how fast i was able to look at simple code after you know a a few paragraphs of someone describing the function and i was like oh wow this is cool you know i'm looking right at this it's already starting to make a ton of sense it's laid out very logically yeah uh, the the other big reason I would say to start with something like Python is because Python can be used to do so many things. Like we've talked about, you can if you need a bunch of files renamed, you can write a quick Python script. If I need a new video editing tool in Blender, I've I've done stuff like that in uh, in Python before. It's 
when I talked to the guys from uh, Pixel Press who were creating like physical toys with um, blocks in these grids and stuff, and you would take a picture of it, and that's processed a certain way. They wrote like a ton of that stuff with Python too. It's just as as easy or as technical as you want to get. Um, I I wish Python had been more popular when I was first getting into programming when I was like a teenager. Like that would yeah. be amazing. Yeah. So I I think I started with HTML and then moved naturally into JavaScript, and uh, both of those languages kind of suck like it's <laughs> i was gonna i was i was thinking about saying that man because i attempted to do some stuff in html and have done very basic things in html and i'm like this is not user-friendly <laughs> yeah it, it it's the worst um, it is not user-friendly <laughs> no so you know i i do know some people who to this day, they've found ways not not to program, but sort of try to embrace the idea that that you can program. Because I I don't think I've met anybody or worked with anybody who is serious about it and could never get it. Um, I got another speeding ticket. <laughs> I know it's brutal. If you go through a, a red light or a stop sign, like it's all terrible. You will <laughs> blow all of your money that way. So, um, but yeah, I, I remember a a uh, contractor I used to work with. Uh, for the Department of Defense, they had basically... My boss was a really nice guy who I, I still like today, but he, as a manager, he did a lot of stuff I don't understand. And he, <laughs> he needed somebody to do a programming job in a hurry, and he hired a, like, 100% graphic designer. Mm. And, like, this this woman was great in Photoshop, you know, but um, when it came to very tricky programming with, like, legacy systems using languages like cold fusion which you've probably never heard of no it's a nightmare it's sort of a cross Sounds between like um it's like a cross between html and hate it. and like a spoken language you've never heard before i already hate this it, it's terrible <laughs> and uh but you know in over the course of like several months i was able to bring her a really long way too like it's if you're willing to spend the time with it, it's it's stuff you can do. And that's that leads me to another point. Like, this has to be something you really want to do because it's not just easy stuff. It's not just coming up with an idea and clicking some checkboxes and making it happen. Like, so many people wash out based on those ideas. Um, people, <laughs> they'll draw pictures. They'll write stuff in notebooks. They will dictate stuff to their friends and find other friends. Like, hey, we're going to make this game. We're going to be the, ne the next Bungie or whatever. I, I can't stress enough, like, you have to be dedicated, and you have to be willing to learn, and willing to practice, and willing to fail, like, it takes all those things before you even get started. And if you if you don't think you have it in you to do that right now, I would encourage you to wait until such a time as you're, you've really got a fire in your belly for it. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, it seems like any creative endeavor um, would really take a lot out of you. And, and the thing that is just jumping out to me whenever I consider um, taking this route is that the art and the animation seems like you, you've actually alluded to this before. That seems like it could be as far as I am concerned for myself personally, being a person that's drawn towards the technical minded uh, aspect of it. I could 
pick up the coating. I'm probably going to like it a lot. So far, it's enjoyable to look at. I need to get some experience actually doing it naturally, but just reading about it and looking at it, I'm all, I already like the nuts and bolts of it. Just like I like the music production part of my band way more than I do the live performances. And you see, that's where I start to worry myself going, am I going, am I going to like the technical aspect of this and fail immensely when it comes to making the part that matters mm-hmm. work? which is the art, the animation, you know. It's, it's another good, good uh, point that I think a lot of people uh, worry about on the way in. And my answer to that is basically I look at the art side and the uh, audio side and, and all these different... I, I think everything in game development is basically an art form. Um, and that's including the coding and sometimes especially the coding. It's, it's a lot of art forms that come together to make this just masterpiece, and that's one reason when people say, like, oh, video games aren't art. It's like, you, you could not be more wrong. It's, it's, yeah. it's like, uh, it's its own thing. It's, it's almost uncomparable to other, other things, because almost everything else has one well-defined art form, and this, this uses basically all of them. Uh, movies, to some extent, you could say the same thing, but, um, I look at the art the same way because if you are willing to stick with it and put the doubt out of your mind, you know, that you can't do it or that you weren't born for this or whatever, uh, you may not become a brilliant artist, but you will become an effective artist and you will pick up ways to do, you know, if I need to draw hands or if I need to draw little cartoon faces, like you will, you'll practice, you'll find out what doesn't work, you will learn things from other people. Like, we've never had more access to, like, reference material and videos and walkthroughs. If you're willing to spend enough time with that stuff, you can for sure, for sure get through the art, art process. Absolutely. Nice. That's encouraging. And, and I, like to, I like to think that um, if I can do it, anyone can do it, especially with the art. Because, man, I work hard at it, but, like, I'm still very rough around the edges. And my, my commercial game I put out this year all 100% my stuff and nice. um, I probably didn't do it as quickly or even through the same methods that a lot of like artistically minded people would uh, do that stuff they'd be more efficient They would it would come out looking better but one of the first things um, people say to me in, in certain settings if I'm giving like talks about it to teachers or, or whatever um, somebody will usually come up to me and go, who did this adorable art? And I get to go, oh my god, I did that. Thank you so much, because this is not my thing. And uh, I'm a complete hack when it comes to this stuff, but I worked very hard on that, and I was very proud of what I came up with. And, oh goodness, it's adorable, and the kids love it, and all this stuff. And that nice. that means so much more to me than the fact that I coded this thing from scratch. Like, I'm, I'm so much happier that people are okay with the art, and that they like the music. Like, I... I'm trained in music theory, but I don't compose very often, and I love that people like the art and the sound. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I noticed is that the sound is very professional on your game. And as a sound engineer, you know, that, that really did stand out to me. I was like, this is done nice. It's it's the, the thing that impressed me the most about the sound architecture for your game was is that the volumes were consistent. I noticed that you did your research on that, or you didn't have anything that... Um, poked through you know like something jabbing you out of thin air <laughs> yeah and and that was 
<laughs> I appreciate that you noticed that too, because that was a process of listening in a lot of different settings. Um, yep. A lot of different speakers and headphones and like plugging it in in the car and uh, trying to get that same consistent feel and sort of balance with everything. And uh, some of it was the tools like GarageBand. If you if you don't mess too much with certain settings, uh, will give you a pretty good start. Um, even if it's not the most high quality professional thing you can do, uh, it gives you a good starting point. And I actually coded um, volume control pretty intricately for all the different sounds because once I brought certain things into the game I noticed like some stuff just came out way louder than I expected so mm -hmm. I actually on the code side I corrected a lot of that too and um, that ended up working pretty well like there are a couple of things I, I look back and I would have maybe changed but like overall yeah it, it felt like it was a good balance it's a it's a very good balance and and um, yeah that's that's something that I mean I, I hear I hear audio mistakes and even um, pretty, you know, what am I trying to say here? Someone, not like established, established titles, those AAA guys got it down. I mean, come on, you know. Yeah. But they got a whole team devoted just to that. But some games that are, well, you know, making a lot of money that uh, aren't nailing this. And it's, um, it was it was awesome to see, hey, not only was it a, an indie, and not only was it a one-man show, it was my buddy, and he excelled in an area that, you know, I like and uh, can appreciate. And I was like, yeah, man, that's cool. You know, it just worked. The music works. And because even sounds, man, it's critical. It's critical. It's really hard to nail in a dense uh, setting, too, when you have a lot of stuff happening. But, you know, something like that will definitely become a challenge at some point. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's funny, like, it's hard to anticipate... Um, running into an issue like that like hey certain sound effects i need to really watch and sort of reel in a little bit um but in final products like you sort of mentioned that that is something that you sometimes notice with indies it's like maybe they ran into this and they probably did notice it and went either i don't really entirely know how i want to fix this or i didn't expect this problem and i don't want to take time with it <laughs> uh, and i it's hard to, to blame people, but it, it does sort of make all the difference with something like that. And um, I I was sort of thinking about uh, on the learning side, like how how you um, how you get started learning the technology, how you know when you're ready to tackle something. Um, because when when I got started, I was a teenager, and for me, it was all about like walking to the library and seeing what books I could find. And they weren't really making a whole lot of game development books at the time, so it was like yeah. sort of needing to cobble it together from like, well, I got this C++ book, and maybe this JavaScript book will help with something, and, um, you know, graphic design stuff and all, all of this. And now we have all these awesome books. So it's, it's easy to get drawn into um, sort of reading too much. If you followed me on Twitter or talked to me about technical stuff, like you've heard me complain many times that uh, there are no good Unity books. Like there are no good <laughs> Unity books, and I, I've been such a reader for so many years. I found myself trying to just say say to myself, like I'm going to read this one book on um, any of these sites, even. Kindle has a bunch of them, but like uh, Safari Books Online is another. A Press sells all kinds of books on this stuff. I'm just going to get through this like 400 page instruction book that shows like two demo projects 
and walks you through it, and then I'm going to be ready. I'll, I'll know all the steps, and I will tackle a game on my own. And literally for years, I would try that every so many months, and I would never get through a book. And the problem is, um, <laughs> you, you start these books, and you get all, all amped and excited, and the project's taken off, and you go, okay, great. I'm going to make this Flappy Bird clone, and it's telling me all the things to do. And you get to a certain point, and it goes like, open this menu and hit this button. And that menu doesn't exist anymore because they came out with an update Tuesday and this book was published <laughs> uh, in December. And that has happened every single time I've cracked open a Unity book. And the same bummer. is... I think the same is true for Unreal Engine as well. So, I, I think the next big tip I would have for people is to not get wrapped up in reading books or following super, super long tutorials. Um... Unity, for example, if you want to go that route, and I, I really do recommend it, like Game Maker is uh, really easy to jump in and then real hard to get advanced. So that's not great. So Unity has mm. outstanding tutorials on their site, and even those are not fully up to date. Like once in a while, you find U Unity's own stuff is a little behind the times, and it's just because their software moves and gets developed so fast and so actively. But what I recommend for people is start with your first project know just enough to get started and draw you know a bird on the screen who's going to flap his wings and i'm always going to use flappy bird as my examples for everything <laughs> you know just just know enough to dig in and get individual questions answered until you're done with your first project like that's far and away the best thing you can do i really really like that advice and it's already giving me as an aspiring developer ideas about how to adjust my learning style when I do this because what you just said actually makes a lot of sense to how I would describe you putting together an entire album you know mm -hmm. it, it made that makes a lot of sense and I will I will borrow that from when I describe this to people um, because that was very well put it's <laughs> it's just something I've run into so many times now um, I, I really I hate to see I hate to see it happen because like I said you'll you'll run into all kinds of people doing this um, asking questions about hey I'm I'm trying to follow this book example and what happened to this menu and they're like yeah this doesn't exist anymore and you have to figure out where you're at what happened what do you use now um, it's tough because you're doing proprietary stuff where knowing a whole lot of C sharp or a whole lot of JavaScript isn't always going to help you. And so you sort of have to go to the source these days. And we're, we're, we're big readers, and we grew up learning things that way. And to tell you the truth, I've had to get better at being willing to watch videos. Um, even Man, they help. They help, and even for stuff like coding. Like, you would never dream that a YouTube video could help you code better. But it honestly, it, it really does. So don't shy away from going to the source. You know, yeah. put, put the books... It's okay to browse through a book, obviously. You know, have have fun and kick back with a nice um, tech book, as I'm known to do. I've You, you can kind of see my bookshelves back here. Like, one of the bookcases in my room is absolutely full of tech books. It looks like the border section. I just, like, brought in a forklift and just... When you were closing out. the store, no one took those books, and you just walked in and took the show. <laughs> right. I was like, yeah, okay, I'm here to take these books back to corporate. Goodbye. <laughs> took them home. 
there was a time when I wanted to steal a couple of those like shelf plate things that just said stuff like technical and programming and game design, and I was too big of a puss to ever try it. <laughs> well, maybe we should change that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's still stores that have those. Uh, I had friends we who worked there, print too. One. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> be no problem at all, but um, that that's how into the books and stuff I was, and it's just... The more I've adapted, like, the bigger leaps and bounds I've taken, for sure. I mean, it fits. It's awesome that you're saying this. It's inspiring me, and it mirrors a little bit of my learning process with recording music because, like, you get... I I can already draw the parallels. You get just driven into this world of limitless possibilities is essentially what you're saying, and that's, that's this coding, and then Unity... And the game engine in combination with your coding skills and then art and then animation and you're just driven into this world of infinite possibility literally mathematically speaking you can say that and it's like oh my gosh I'm going to absorb how to become the best animator so my game will have the best animations and my game's going to have the best this and that and then you're like whoa, 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 slow your roll here pal <laughs> learn what you need to do to get your project done and that's what you've said in a, in the way my brain processed it, if mm. I'm understanding you correctly, you know, it's like just learn what you need to learn about creating art that is sufficient for your current project because you're going to drive yourself crazy trying to read out of date books, figuring out how to be the best at this when really you just need to be good enough to get this done. <laughs> right, and I I will do you one better. Um, not not only learn what you need to for your your individual project, I would say learn what you need to learn to get um, get get your project ninety percent of the way before you work on the last ten percent. And what I mean is um, there, there's a concept of uh, developer art, which is to say when you're when you're making your game or whatever, and you're primarily a, a programmer or developer, we have a, a certain strategy of sort of knowing the size and dimensions of the art we need in the game and we'll we'll just sort of block out ugly looking things or just anything we can find steal stuff from the asset store or download stuff from the internet and put it in your game and get the game working and it's to me it's all about working big to small and i've got a real problem with that like if i start by um if i say i want to start with a menu system that says press enter to start I want press enter to start to look like the most amazing sentence that's ever been on a screen. And I'll try different fonts and I'll go, I'll be going through my computer <laughs> explosions and lightning. Yeah. Michael Bay presents. Uh, but it really is serious because I'll, I'll find that like, I don't like this font and does that look a little blurry and would this be better monospace or, or whatever. And uh, the next thing you know, like the day is done. You've spent four or five, eight, 10 hours on this and it doesn't look any better than it did. You got nothing to show for it. You can't show Twitter and get some feedback or whatever. And you will drive yourself insane and you will drop the project and you'll never work on it again. Whereas if you find a nice middle of the road font for something, you can move on to getting your bird to flap his wings. And uh, yeah. this, this is an ongoing thing for me. And it's another one of these things. The more I pay attention to this, the better it goes, the more, more ground I cover and to tell you the truth, when when that 90, 95% of your game is done, um, you get to a point where, and, and this, this I don't say this in a bad way, you're not as worried about what that font looks like at the end. 
because now yeah. you, you know it's not about that font. Uh, that font is keep standing between you and your players, and you need to find a very good font and accept that maybe there's no perfect font. And the more of that sort of stuff you do, so how that applies to what you said, I believe, is not only should you learn what you need just for this project, learn what you need to get to the next task. Um, yeah. If, if you're working on controls, get pretty good controls in place and then go on to uh, your level editing or whatever is next for you. Um, I, I think psychologically that's very good for you. It's definitely good for your project. And I, I think it greatly increases the probability that this thing is going to actually see the light of day. Because you're going to find out as you get in there a whole lot of your, your things you start and think about they just they won't ever happen or maybe they'll happen in many years or something uh, yes it, it, this is a long term thing and you have to accept that we get into this because we're people with ideas and, and things we'd like to see in the world and your brain works a lot faster than your hands so yes <laughs> you can come up with it's easy to fill a schedule with stuff and it's it's not that easy to make things happen as the calendar days tick by, you know. So, I don't know. Maybe that makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. I just, I think it's important to um, keep things moving is maybe the, the way I would distill that tip down for you. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. I like, I like, the, I like the broad picture approach to creating it. A thing that has very recently transformed quality, consistency, and... Um, final product for everyone involved in the audio side for for what i've been doing lately is called top-down mixing and come to find out a lot of professionals do this and so what it is is that you start actually now that you do a lot of the mastering in-house you start with this is the this is where i want it to sit commercially these are the peak volumes i want to hit this is the kind of basic presence i want this to give and that is without going too far into detail exactly what you're talking about just mm -hmm. put those placeholders in there get start with you know something that's going to give you the sense of the full product in its beta form yeah and then but you have this full thing that you can hear and you're going okay this is as loud as i want it to be this is the these are the instruments roughly as i want them to fill the stereo space and yeah man that makes perfect sense i get it like get your placeholders in there do that top-down mixing approach to your game get those templates stuck in there borrow these things for here and there it's not going to be what you release but yeah you want you want to and in the end of the day you're creating something to be consumed by a consumer and you want to start to focus sooner on that aspect of it. And by having at least a template, a raw version of something there that has a start menu that dives you into a game with controls that has, has little fart sound effects or blasting noises <laughs> that you just rip from some, you know, uh, freesounds.com and, oh, yeah. you know, just whatever it is. And then, then you have this thing that you can look at more so as the consumer because at the end of the day when you're creating this art, this is a huge thing I've been considering for myself, is that you have to understand that if you want this to be something that you're going to do instead of something you do for fun, you have to make it consumable. Yes. And that doesn't always translate to what you want and that doesn't always translate to what you 
um, feel like would be innovative sometimes even too. And man, so we got, <laughs> apparently we can do a whole show on this. <laughs> Almost already have. Uh, um, one of the benefits of uh, taking that top-down strategy, which I, I love that, that's a great way to put that, um, when you are really moving at a good clip and you start to run into some of the real snags, I mean, like every project has some stuff that, you know, you didn't anticipate uh, a problem or uh, uh, some some line of code, some function needs to be written, whatever you might run and encounter. Um, when you really start getting frustrated, that leaves you with a lot of stuff. You can take a break and go, you know, I'm going to go back and make that font look a little better and spend a few minutes that way. And, like, there's a lot of little pick-me-ups just sort of scattered throughout the project that way. And, and you should definitely keep a, a running list of those things as you go through. Um, you start to find stuff that's like, oh, yeah, you know what? I've, I've still got this um, placeholder stuff. I could maybe take an afternoon and uh, replace some of that and make that look nice. And... It, it's it's really great psychologically in that way too and you'll hear me talk about this kind of stuff all the time because keeping the right frame of mind is everything in this hobby in this in this career like your mental state and you hear professionals talk about this all the time like it's everything and the problem is people who are drawn to this kind of work um i i don't know if we always have the healthiest sense of like um, self-care like we we will get consumed by our projects and suddenly like we take a back seat anyone around us takes a back seat and you start to get into unhealthy territory i've talked a lot about this before uh it happens in a hurry and you don't always see it coming so anything i mean and i'm talking about like open a window <laughs> you know take a walk outside if you can do anything to keep yourself in a positive mind state you have to do it like every time so I like that. Um, the one other big thing I wanted to hit on while we're talking about just like very basic stuff for indies who are uh, looking to get into it. One of the biggest things I would tell people is do not spend a dime. Don't spend a dime on your first project. You know, certainly while you're learning, don't don't upgrade your, your GitHub. Don't buy um, Game Maker Professional. Don't think about a... Don't, don't get wrapped up in like... Oh my god, I've, I've hung out with people who get on these projects and they're like, we need to start a corporation, and we need to file ourselves as employees, and we need to go meet at Steak and Shake for four hours tomorrow, and all this shit that just stands between you and progress. And it sucks yeah. up money, and it sucks up time, and that's another great way to drive yourself absolutely insane. And, I mean, I guess some of the other stuff you do, like the recording and stuff, there's probably a lot of stuff that you don't really have the luxury of, like, keeping it free but no you <laughs> you can't get an open source guitar but you can use unity free until your studio makes like two hundred thousand dollars in a year's time or something like it's it's extremely generous for like the most popular game engine there is that's incredible um we are starting on a side a side note to mm -hmm. give the audio engineering world a little bit of credit here they we are starting to see some more programs crop up um, and license software licenses that mimic that model. I think maybe they're becoming inspired by that because they want to see new life enter that arena. Because my gosh, the buy-in point for the professional audio engineer stuff is steep. And yeah. if you want young kids to get involved in it, it's it's a tough 
it's a tough thing to swing. So I'm glad to see that because that makes sense what you're talking about there. Not until you make two hundred dollars. You know, that's that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool thing to do. Oh yeah, yeah, and and uh, it it never used to be this way, but some some aspects of this have always been in place. Like I've. You know the kind of work I've done and how long I've done it. I have never had a copy of Photoshop of my own. It, I don't know how to use Photoshop. I, <laughs> I use GIMP for everything. Um, I've never touched 3D Studio Max. I would love to, but I started this when I was 14, and I, you know, I was lucky we had internet. Like that's the honest truth. Yeah. Like I was lucky my house had a computer and electricity sometimes, and um, <laughs> so I found myself learning to do HTML and like Notepad and javascript and notepad and i would use audacity to record stuff and blender to model stuff gimp game maker uh the most basic version that would do like pc games every bit of it was absolutely free and i didn't pirate things i didn't do anything like it was all either open source or just freeware and that's awesome i i think there's something to that because <laughs> I've, I've always believed in the idea of sort of bootstrapping like Start with something you can do for yourself, make a couple of bucks off it, spend that couple of bucks on a license for something small or whatever you need. Like, you'll run into something. Like, I need this sound effect, and this guy needs five bucks for it. Spend the money that way. Don't don't drop the money on, you know, the giant, uh, I don't, the Mac, like, power station or whatever the hell. Like, yes. Like, find ways to do this cheap, and consider that, like, a barrier for entry. If you if you can't do it that way, like, it, it's like in golf, you don't want to have like a ten thousand dollar bag and a ten dollar game. <laughs> you should think about your game development that way as well. It makes um, sense, man. I, I won't tell a kid to go buy a thirteen hundred dollar guitar the year he decides to play. Yeah, don't exactly. do that. You're just gonna have a nice thing collecting dust, probably. <laughs> yeah, you when you get far enough you will come across no shortage of opportunities to spend money and write checks and start corporations and stuff. Like, it's a hassle. And I, <laughs> I talk to people all the time who still don't do it right. Like, oh, we have a company. Like, really? Where did you file? Oh, it's not official or anything. It's like, okay. But go ahead and take that approach while you're just getting started and you have no idea where this is going to go from here. And, and the, the big reason I say that is not because of, like, I don't know if you can afford it or if you can't or if you should do it or if you're going to stick with it. But th think of it as it stands between you, again, and your audience. And yeah. don't let anything come between you and your audience. Get your work done. Get your stuff seen. That's your only chance. Man, that's perfect to end on. That's <laughs> perfect to end on. I really want to continue talking about some of this stuff because... I'm still learning. You're obviously going to be learning all the time. Oh, yeah. It's it's going to be a fun, uh, a fun new chapter for you and a fun continuation for me. Like just today, one of my Unity projects for the first time, I created um, tools for like use in the editor, like not in the actual game, but like tools to, like hit buttons and change different properties in my game objects and stuff i'm saving myself a ton of time i got so much stuff i'm excited to talk about and we will uh we owe it to people who listen to a podcast called game dev breakdown to uh, talk about game development absolutely <laughs> so um you still you still doing twitch stuff like how's that going 
not too bad. I kind of took a break from it for a little bit because our concepts that we're trying to use without giving too much away, I'm going to try to stream some stuff with some buddies. Um, we've had to alter them a little bit. We've seen some people with similar ideas. Oh. Um, that's not necessarily bad. Well, um, because I think it means it means your mind's in the right spot, but you definitely got to make sure you're not jocking somebody's gig. Sure. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we're kind of at a point where we're thinking about branding a little bit differently because that's a huge thing. We can have a, a complete show from a dev perspective on this for sure if you want to talk about it because I've been reading a lot about it. I've been absorbing a lot about it for my own purposes. There's a reason I'm sitting on some of the stuff I've got going on in my life because I'm trying to consider this and that is branding marketability consumability of what you're doing so that you're not just doing these hobbies that are time vampires and money pits in certain occasions um but like what are you doing this for if you're creating something to be consumed what is the brand that you have because that really launches you from just being um a young person with a webcam playing a game to you know someone that makes some kind of income from Twitch or YouTube, you know, having that brand, having a, having a thing that is uniquely you because there's just, yes, there's a flood of people wanting to make games. Yes. There's a flood of musicians. Yes. There's a flood of, um, so bands really is what I should say. Yes. There's a flood of, of, of all of these things. You can just keep going streamers and everything like that. But the thing that I see standing above them all is that the people that really did this right was they hit a brand. They found it, they acknowledged it very quickly, and they just strolled with it. And given enough elbow grease and time and this development in this brand, boom. It's almost like um, it's almost like the, the recipe for a perfect storm. <laughs> awesome. So we will uh, look forward to hearing more about that. And um, I, we'll, we'll carry on with this next week. I mean, there's no shortage of stuff to talk about. I think within the next week or so, I'm hoping to clear out the last of my client projects so we can start doing some uh, some stuff we can really start talking about and uh, tackle some projects of our own. Man, that sounds great. All right, well, uh, thanks for hanging out, and we'll uh, pick it back up. Later. Again, feel free to check out the videos. We have a brand shiny new YouTube channel that we're uh, putting content on all the time. You can find us in the normal places like SoundCloud.com, iTunes, uh, Google Play, anywhere you can find podcasts. We are there. We appreciate your ratings, reviews, sharing with a friend, interacting with us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, anywhere you can find us. We love that. Let us know what you want to hear more about and. Uh, how you're connecting with the stuff we're talking about because that's why we do it. We love hanging out with you guys and chatting and uh, furthering that dialogue. So for my friend John Scheiber and for Code Right Play, my name's Todd Mitchell. You guys keep playing and we will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.